the seat of my pants, but that's how I work in recovery, so please bear with me. Um, so welcome to the transgender, um, what is this, the transgender AA meeting um, of Living Sober 2017. My name is Skye and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I don't have a co-chair um, for this workshop, so I'll be here by myself with you guys. Thank you. So before we begin, um, let's please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, this is an open discussion workshop. I'm just, let's see. I don't have a co-chair, so that doesn't count. Um, I think the format is that I will go ahead and share my experience, and then we'll open it up and have others uh, share theirs. Um, this is not a typical meeting format. We ask f that you be respectful, respectful of other people's views and opinions as outlined in Living Sober's policy of mutual respect. Also, we ask that you please limit your discussion to the workshop topic, and please keep your shares it says to three minutes or less, but I'm sure we'll have enough time. We have an hour here with each other. Um, okay, and at this time, I asked Ariel to come up and read the 12 steps, right? Thank you. Oh, I apologize. You can, there's a microphone right here if you want or don't, okay. Hi, I'm Ariel, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Ariel. 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Okay. So I guess this is the time where I'll share about me. Um, like I stated, my name is Sky. I'm an alcoholic. Um, Hi. Um, what a difference it was he from here last year. We were kind of over here in a little corner, no microphone, and I think I recalled, hi, Brenda. <laughs> I think I recalled saying, you know, how come we didn't get to sit up on here on chairs and with a microphone and under the lights and look where I'm at this year, <laughs> dreading it, yes. So see, you know, be careful. I have to be careful what I put out there, right? So, um, Let's see. I will just keep it simple. My recovery date is December 1st, 2005. Um, I am a 45-year-old woman who happens to be trans um, or two-spirit. Um, I grew up here in the Bay Area. Um, it was always a struggle for me to, with my identity and then to be um, raised socially as a boy. Um, and... And then also, on top of that, to have that layer of alcoholism that was in, you know, my family, right? Um, so I learned to lie and manipulate um, quickly. I had to in order to socially fit in as the gender that they stated that I was. Um, so that became my norm in order to lie, to not get teased, not get bullied, and, and to get away with things. Um, so... I am a liar, I guess, I would say, a former liar. Um, that's my go-to of how to manipulate or to go ahead and find the loophole in things. Um, and so I remember earlier, um, 
Around first grade, kids were teasing me and saying that I was a sissy and um, I was crying to the teacher and I remember going to the teacher and saying it's not fair, they shouldn't be calling me sissy because only boys are sissies and I'm a girl and um, that threw up red flags and so my parents were called in and psychiatrists and stuff and so I learned real quickly that um, that was not okay. I was not okay to speak my truth. Um, and so today is a different day and I'm very grateful for that, but that's how um, I lived my life. Um, I started drinking um, in order, I attempted to drink in high school in order to fit in, um, but I basically lied about that too. I would pretend I was drunk or I would buy weed but not smoke it just to fit in. Um, I didn't want to be um, like my father um, who had actively used in front of us. Um, my parents were divorced. I come from a divorced household. So I didn't want to be like him. He was unreliable, uh, not there for us. He didn't demonstrate the love that I needed. And that's not the type of person that I wanted to be. So I knew early on that um, not to do alcohol, not to do drugs. And I just did not want to be like him. But unfortunately, at the age of 17, um, my first time living on my own in L.A., um, I was very naive, and the first guy that I met um, accepted me for dressing, you know, as a girl, and I enjoyed that, and the other girls that were, you know, um, living their life as women happened to be sex workers, and he used me to go ahead and recruit other girls, and I did not know what was going on. And when I figured out who this person really was, that he didn't really love me for me, he just loved me for um, the money or the girls, or you know, he was for that lifestyle. I tried to leave, and I ended up being kidnapped for 11 days and held against my will, um, repeatedly raped, sold. And that trauma situation for me, um, was why I used afterwards. To, that's, the only, that's the only way that I was able to cope afterwards. That also was the catalyst of my parents finding out that I was um, under the gay umbrella and because when the police found me, um, they told my parents everything. And so uh, that's how I came out, I guess. And that wasn't very accepting. My stepfather, um, through that time, uh, threatened to send me back to that guy because of who I was, and then I ended up running away. So I was 18 without a family, living in San Francisco, and it was kind of harsh. And um, yeah, so I mean, it was just hard times. I'm grateful that I don't have to live that day today. I'm grateful that I'm able to have a job today that accepts me as being a trans woman. Um, I was fired by three um, employees, uh, employers here in San Francisco in the year of 91 because I was trans. Um, and so it ended up that I ended up having to do sex work. Um, I'm not ashamed of that. It was, I consider it survival sex. Um, but all of that with not dealing with the trauma that I had and having to live that type of life, I ended up drinking. I ended up using drugs. So it was first alcohol. Alcohol, I'm a total blackout drunk. I loved that feeling of, I, actually, I love that feeling of blacking out, basically. Not knowing what happened, not being in my body and waking up the next day and having people tell me stories of what transpired the day before or the night before. To me, that was exciting because that was like hearing about somebody else that wasn't me and I wasn't able to really deal with the issues that I had in life of having to interact with people or having to tell them I was trans. Um, because during that time, I tried to just blend in when I wasn't working as a sex worker. I ended up leaving that profession and going back to school and um, having a really great job, but because I was a blackout drunk and going to the bars, they introduced me to um, drugs, some amphetamines, methamphetamine, methamphetamines. Um, and so then 
I considered myself an alcoholic. I did not use alcohol, but this, it just my alcoholism changed from one drug to another. And so then my career for using drugs took on until I was 33, 32, until I got sober. Um, what happened was that I kept getting into relationships that were, um, that were violent. Um, I am a survivor of rape, I'm a survivor of domestic violence, and those um, reasons helped me want to run away and go into a program. So when I got into a program, it saved my life. It showed me that I did not need to live uh, like I was, that it helped me build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, um, volunteering, um, doing the coffee at AA meetings, right? Being a greeter, um, going to therapy for the first time in my life. Um, it really helped build a foundation. Um, I was in a program uh, called Walden House, and I did two years there in the beginning. And I remember someone saying to me that I used to hang out with uh, that I was getting my brain washed, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty dirty. I need it washed. You know, it's just the, the life that I was living, it, it just wasn't worthy of who I am and what I um, deserve. And this AA and other affiliations, other 12-step groups, has brought me back to It has just been so instrumental in my life of bringing me with community, with um, being able to be a trans woman and being okay with that, being okay with not just blending in, being an, um, an out trans woman at work in my everyday life, and being okay with the fact that having that feeling in my head like, um, yes, I am a trans woman. How dare you not see me as that? And that's okay. I don't need to fit into societal norms of um, being either male or female. Uh, and, and I would have never have had that if I would have still been drinking or doing drugs and trying to mask who I am. Um, I am able to work the steps with a, an amazing sponsor. Um, I'm able to have a sponsee and sponsees at times. Um, I'm, and I'm able to show up, go to work, um, and have a relationship with my family that I did not have um, back then or growing up, and having a relationship with myself. Um, so I think that's all I'm going to share with at this time. And I'm going to open it up to people um, in the room that would like to go ahead and share. Is that okay? Can't really see. Yeah? Awesome, thank you. Really hot and nervous up here, my goodness. So um, who would like to come up? Anybody? No, 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 I mean, here, let's see. Sure. I think this, yeah, see? I think, well, you can sit right here in the front row and go ahead and share. Hi, I'm Ronnie. I'm an alcoholic pirate. <laughs> Hi, Ronnie. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say thank you to you, Sky. Um, you're one of my very best friends and one of the most beautiful women I've ever met. Um, your recovery is amazing, and um, your schedule is unbelievably busy. I don't know how you do it. But it just goes to show us that in sobriety we can do anything. Um, you know, I'm a pretty close friend of yours, and I didn't know some of the things that you've gone through, and it's um, something that I just can't even imagine. Um, <clears throat> so I just wanted to say to you that I'm so extremely proud of you, and I'm, I'm so grateful to be uh, part of your squad and, um, you know, just, like, in, in this thing with you. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to share because I, I haven't been sharing and, and you're so special to me. So thank you and I love you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. So I didn't really pick a topic. <laughs> but if you would like to, um, we go ahead and share with, um, what is this? Uh, the group is called Transgender and Recovery, right? 
or just your experience with um, in recovery. Yay, we have another person. Come on down. Hi, Zachary, alcoholic. Hi, Zachary. Thank you so much, Sky, for leading the workshop. Um, I have uh, identified as many different genders uh, over my lifetime. Um, today, what works most for me is gender queer, gender fucked, or non-binary. Um, so I, I don't typically use the word trans for my identity. That's not what feels the most, most authentic for me. But there was a time um, right before I got sober where um, one of my best friends, actually, who's no longer with us, um, uh, we still don't know how she passed, actually. But I do believe substances were involved somehow. I actually believe she was probably murdered. Um, here, um, not too far away, in a hotel, a uh, couple weeks before I turned one year sober in 2006. Um, and I guess, you know, I mean, I, I attended this meeting, one, because I, I wanted to hear Sky, and I feel like... Um, you know, in our society as well as in the rooms. You know, even on the program, on the back of the program, um, it says transgendered, which is actually not correct. So uh, there's just these little, what we call microaggressions, you know, still in our community. Um, I experience it a lot with um, gay men because my partner is trans. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, vagina hating among gay men and a lot of, um, you know, feminine hating because we have our own internalized uh, sexism and homophobia that um, a lot of us need to work on. And, um, okay, I'm making this political, but um, my point is, is that, you know, that stuff um, does still come up in AA. And I think it's important to have this space to name it because I don't feel like I get to talk about it. I don't feel like I get to be uh, open about my gender identity in the rooms. It's overlooked. You know, I'm seen as a, um, a gay male, you know, and um, luckily we live here in the city of San Francisco where you know, actually on forms I fill out now, there's sometimes options, you know, to put uh, gender non-binary or gender queer, things like that. So um, my recovery has really been, you know, all about, like it says on our chips, to thine own self be true. And um, I guess a while ago, I stopped trying to really box myself into a gender, gender queer, gender binary, male, female, whatever, um, gay, straight, any of that, because um, who knows, five years from now, I may, I, I may transition, I may, you know, be with, um, somebody completely different, you know, I, I, I never, you know, know what's in store for me in my future in, in any way. So um, this is probably the most open I've ever talked about this in a meeting. Um, and it's really scary, honestly, but, um, you know, I'm with people who inspire me because they share their truth and they create this, this space. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. I feel like we should have Price is Right music on down. Like, come on down. Yes, you are the next contestant. Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for your honesty. Um, you know, just you said your age, and it just made me think of back when I was. Uh, in my teens, and uh, I come from Boston, and um, how dangerous it was to be trans. Oh, talk into the mic. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I still, you know, <clears throat> I was born with a great deep voice. Um, 
so anyway, it was, it was dangerous, you know, back in the late 60s and early 70s, and I can remember hearing all the time how um, different trans women were killed, but you would never hear it on the news. Um, so that, that stayed with me for a lot of years about how dangerous it was and everything. And um, so it took me, uh, let's see, from when I was in my late teens, another uh, 30 years before I said, you know, I just can't uh, be doing this anymore. And I had gotten sober in that time. Um, you know, it, I, I had a sponsor, one woman, and she always talks about how tra being trans is uh, like ahead of being uh, alcoholic. I keep telling them, no. You know, my top priority is my alcoholism. I did not drink because I was transgender. And um, I like saying that at a straight meeting. I didn't drink because I was transgender, and I'm not transgender because I drank. And I tell them, isn't that good news? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm, I'm so grateful that I have this program to help me, um, you know, go through life. You know, even though... I've, I've been going through transition for a while, and I've made some changes to my body and everything. But you know what? I'm still me. No matter what I do, I'm still me. It's not going to solve. Just being in transition and, and living full time, it doesn't change my life. It doesn't make all my problems go away. Um, a few years ago, I had a major heart attack and triple bypass, and um, I still have heart disease. No matter what I do, you know, so keeping the, you know, practice these uh, principles on my affairs. And, you know, for me, it's that I really believe that um, what I read in the book, and it says, you know, nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Was I born in the wrong body? Or was I born exactly the way I was supposed to be? And, you know, I really believe I was born exactly the way I was supposed to be, a transgender woman. That really helps me get, you know, through life a lot easier. And um, I had a lot of stuff to thinking about when I was sitting over there. Now that it's, like, gone. But I, I love coming to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. And I, every day that something comes up, it's always, I'm always using something from the program. Um, there's a, a support group once in a while I go to at Fenway Health in Boston for trans people and you know listen to the the young people and like it's like once they get on hormones that that's gonna you know <laughs> save their life so I'm not trying to tell them you know you're still gonna be the same person you still gotta live each day the journey is you know all of it of each day of going through transition and, um, you know, everything that I've learned has come from Alcoholics Anonymous. I love, uh, I love coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I'd never been to San Francisco, so a year ago I figured I'd come. And um, I'd come during the time of the roundup. And I'm really grateful that I did that because I really enjoyed it last year. So I was like, okay, got to go again this year. And uh, are we talking about next year? This one isn't over yet. <laughs> this, this, uh, this vacation, I, uh, I chipped it. I, I broke off a crown the first day I got here. And uh, I got a sharp thing sticking in the, my tongue. And uh, I go to the emergency room. That's what my insurance would cover. And they tell me, we can't do anything for you. We don't have a dentist. So somebody that I know that lives in uh, San Francisco, he went to uh, Harvard and uh, met him in Boston. And so he said, hey, there's a dental school right down the street. So we went there. And I'm figuring this is going to be like a few hundred, three hundred dollars, 80 bucks. Took x-rays. I kind of molded, a, molded a, my, a new tooth around the other part that's still there so I can have it fixed when I go home. And it was $80. My tongue is just starting to feel better. That was on Wednesday. And I'll never take an over... Uh, it was a late flight. We're supposed to get on the flight at 8.30 at night. Didn't have, we didn't leave Boston until 10. 
So what I, my time, uh, we get here at like 5 o'clock in the morning. So Thursday was short. No going home, we're supposed to leave at 8.30, get home at 5.30 in the morning. Perfect. <laughs> the rest of the week will be short. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank everybody for being here. Um, I love, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, and I love coming to this roundup. Thanks. Would anybody else like to come up? Come on up, Ariel. Am I pronouncing it correct? Ariel? Ariel? Yes. I'll just talk to you. And yeah. then I can... That's what you do. Just talk to one another. Hi, I'm Ariel. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm really grateful that this meeting is here, and I hope I don't. I, I like. I need a space to kind of vent about my process of being in recovery and um, having a non-binary gender identity. Um, I'm early in recovery. I've got five months, um, and there's there's these two meetings in the East Bay that are women and trans, and it has bothered me a lot. Um, I I've gone a couple times. I got misgendered. Um, you know, it's called the lady. Um, and I used to, like, I used to have a shaved head, so it was a lot easier to pass. And if you think about it, it's kind of fucked up because, like, I have to look more masculine to be validated as being non-binary instead of just being able to present how I want to present. Um, but I really struggle, I struggle with that. Like, I struggle with the lack of trans meetings or they're lumped together with women's meetings. Um, and also, like, I often get questioned when I say that, um, my sponsor is male, and people come up, oh, you know, have you gotten women's numbers? Has anyone talked to you about getting a woman's sponsor? And I just look at them and say, I'm queer, don't assume my gender, my sponsor's queer, get away from me. <laughs> I try to be nice, but <laughs> like, I can't, I can't do it. Um, it's been hard, like, I, I wish there were more spaces that were, that were safe for me in recovery. And I know, like, the focus is, you're here to get sober, like, it doesn't matter, and a lot of people say that to me, um, but it's hard, it's hard, because it's, it's also woven in with, like, with recovery, because there's things that I experience that are particular to my gender um, and my experience of recovery, and I don't have a lot of people to talk to about it. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to say that I am great, and I am grateful to AA, like, I, I really love this program. Um, and I'm glad that this is here, and thank you. Thank you. It just it gave me a thought of like, I'm gonna put the suggestion in, maybe next time when we have our names, they will have like our pronouns there too of what is preferred, right? Okay, good. I just need to get a sense of my community if that was right to go ahead and go through, yeah. A gender neutral bathroom on one of the floors. I have a little piece of, I will put that down. Thank you so much. Anybody else have any suggestions or would like to come up and speak? Share? And the removal of transgendered. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, that's one of the things that I appreciate, having a supporter go ahead and recognize what's ridiculous or what's appalling and stuff that w sometimes I don't even recognize or see in myself. You know, I have, I, just because, you know, I'm in this community doesn't mean that I recognize everything that's being done outside either to me or to my community. So I'm continually um, being educated as well you know, and growing in this path of recovery and with my transition and being able to be, is it politically correct, right? You know, and the, yeah, so I understand. It's hard and I've uh, been in conversations and it's just the way that we were raised. Oh, that's the way we were raised and stuff. It's just, we just make a conscious, uh, you know, effort to make a change and listening to another person of what their experience is. And let me go ahead and just state, just because um, I identify as a trans woman who is two-spirit, um, doesn't mean that my experience is the same as anyone else in my community. You know, I'm just an individual here, just like I'm an individual in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's just my experience. Okay. Anybody? Yeah, thanks. Come on down. 
All right, um, I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic. Um, so I've been sober since April 28th, 2016, so last year. And um, I'm a queer trans guy. And um, so growing up, I, you know, I really knew I was different in some way, but I didn't really know how um, until I got a little older. Um, I was... I was called like Dyke in like ten, uh, fifth grade when I was only like 10 years old. So, you know, people knew I was different before even I did sometimes. <laughs> um, and uh, I, but I was really lucky because I, I lived in San Jose, which is not very far from here. Um, and um, when I was really coming out at 15, um, there were queer youth groups to go to and support, um, and I was able to meet other trans teens um, in my area. And <clears throat> so um, I actually uh, started socially transitioning at like 15, 16. Um, uh, mostly just, you know, cutting my hair, wearing men's clothing. Um, and I probably could have started tea around that time if I had parental consent, um, but I didn't. Uh, my parents are supportive now, but it took them a little bit of time. And my mom was like, you have to wait until you're 18 to do all that stuff, you know. So as soon as I turned 18, um, I started tea. And um, I'm 29 now, by the way, so it's been 11 years. Um, and I also had top surgery that year as well um, and changed my name and moved up here um, <laughs> and started college as um, a guy and no one had any idea um, that I was trans. So I actually tried to be stealth for a while. I still am kind of stealth, like usually at jobs I've had, they didn't know, um, but any type of friend or partner has known. Um, and um, I go to a lot of gay AA meetings, and even in those, I don't really feel comfortable saying I'm trans. Um, a lot of them are very male populated, and there's, I kind of like that they, without me saying I'm trans, they kind of just, you know, treat me as, you know, on the same page as them. And I feel like if I was to say I'm trans, it would, you know, change the whole vibe. Because um, that's my experience. Whenever, most times when I tell someone I'm trans, even if they're completely trans-friendly, knowledgeable, whatever, all of a sudden I'm different than how they thought before. And I really hate that feeling. Um, so let, let me get it back to drinking, because I kind of went off. <laughs> Um, so I definitely have been use, have used to use drinking as self-medicating, and I have a lot of anxiety, social anxiety. Um, I think partially because of being trans, but probably also other reasons. Um, so especially in like bar situations, I really felt like I needed a drink. Um, I used to go to like underwear parties and stuff and be worried that people will find out I'm trans, so I drank, and so then I didn't care as much, you know? Um, and um, it just started being, you know, too much. And uh, I definitely, you know, on top of my mental health and everything else going on, I definitely needed to stop. And um, it's been a lot better. Um, it's been a lot better. I still go to bars pretty often because I'm really into drag shows. Um, I go to at least one or two drag shows a week. Um, and a lot of my friends are performers, and a lot of them are sober, actually, which is cool. Um, and um, what else? What, there's other things I wanted to say, but I don't. <laughs> um, there is, it's, it's still kind of tough, though, in social environments when everyone else is drinking and I'm not. And um, and every time, you know, I have to tell, like I'm dating someone new or something, I have to tell them I don't drink, then I'm like, you know, I, I feel like I have to explain myself because I don't, I don't want them to like, because there's, there's a two types of I don't drinks. There's the people that just don't drink, you know, and there's the people that, like us, don't drink, <laughs> you know, and 
one, you know, saying you're an alcoholic is different than saying, oh, I just don't like to drink. Um, and when I meet people new, I like worry about the stigma of, uh, you know, being an alcoholic, you know, even though I don't drink anymore. Um, so that's been tough, especially in the queer um, community, because um, almost everything's at a bar. Um, and, it, you know, you're the weird one if you're not drinking. So, I, you know, I usually try to get a soda or something. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> yep, yep. Thank you. Is there anyone else here? Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hi, Brandon. And uh, thank you for your share. Um, I love getting, been getting to know you a lot more in the last few years. And um, I got to meet your family and see how much they support you. And that, that, that really moved me. That really, like, um, yeah, I, I always love seeing that our families support us in our, our, our decisions in our lives. And um, so I wanted to just talk about what I related to in your share about trying to fit in. Um, I was picked on as a little kid a lot. Other people seemed to know I was gay before I did. Um, my family used to always say that I was going to make somebody a good wife someday. Um, and I didn't know what that meant at first. And then it started to dawn on me what they were saying about me. Um, and in school, I was picked on a lot. It seemed like other kids knew I was gay before I did. And um, so I withdrew a lot. Um, I hang out, hung out in the libraries, and I, um, and I read, and I played chess, and I did nerdy things that uh, kept me away from all the jocks and the other people that, were, that picked on me a lot. Um, and I remember somebody teaching me, this kid, teaching me how to shoplift. And um, that was the first rush I ever got. The first, like, intense, intense rush that I ever felt when I put that stuff in my backpack and I walked out of the store and I got away with it. And I was addicted to that feeling. And I shoplift a lot, a lot. Immediately after that, I was shoplifting every day after school, sometimes skipping school to shoplift. And um, I was shoplifting mostly candy because I wanted to take it to school and bribe other people to like me. Bribe my bullies, get other people to like me, and I wanted to fit in. I wanted to, I wanted to be accepted into all those groups that I felt apart from. And, um, and it, it was working. And that just fueled that rush of me shoplifting and, getting, and, and buying my way into uh, friendships and, and and clicks. And that turned into stealing beer to get with the other cool kids, which turned into selling drugs to hang out with the cool kids. I found out that if I was a drug dealer, I would be able to fit in. And um, so I was willing to sell anything at school. I, I was. Whatever drugs I could find, I would buy them and bring them to school and try to get, get in with the cool kids. And um, I was addicted more to the drug dealing and the attention that it got me than I was to the drugs at first. Of course, you know, later I definitely became hooked on the drugs it's just as hard. And um, when I came into my first meeting, um, there were people who liked me just for who I was, not because I had anything to give them, not because I had the good shit, not because my prices were great, not because of whatever. They just accepted me and welcomed me because I walked into the room and, and I said I was an addict. And um, I got a little bit of a rush from that, you know, people liking me. I get, I get a rush off of people liking me. And um, so... Now I find myself addicted to being of service. And, it's, uh, and because I want people to like me. 
addicted to being of service, addicted to planning events. I love planning events. I love planning movie outings. I love planning barbecues and waffle bar parties in my backyard and um, like anything I could think of to get people to come over and to like me. And um, it's a healthy addiction. It's much healthier than what I was doing before. Um, but I still, you know, a lot of times I feel, even though all those people are there, and they're there because I arranged something or helped arrange something, I still feel very alone in those situations. I still feel like it's not enough. There's not enough people. I didn't do enough. Um, so that's something that I'm working on. I talked to my sponsor about that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm always trying to fit in. And um, I'm always trying to be a part of something that maybe I don't have to necessarily be a part of that. Maybe I can just be me and I don't have to force myself into things. But um, I'm glad to be here, glad to have heard your share. Um, and I wanted to stand up and speak so I could fit in with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thanks for sharing that because I don't know if I mentioned that I think we're being recorded, so they're taping us. So if yeah, but um, if and I want to say that because um, you mentioned my parents, you know I do have a new stepfather today, <laughs> and um, my which like my mom is one of my best friends today, and I had a huge chip on my shoulder and it's one of the reasons why I always ran from them is because of the relationship she chose and I always thought in my head my perception was that she chose him over us you know and he was an abusive father to us being my brother and as well as you know she was going through her own uh you know stuff and so you tell, saying that you witnessed my mom and the stepfather that I have today who is they're amazing, so supportive, and the guy that she chose loves me unconditionally, and um, I call him dad, you know, and it's just, I don't think I would have been able to experience that or witness that type of family interaction if I wasn't sober, you know, and to be able to witness and to be able to, um, this program has showed me to be able to forgive my mom and to forgive myself for my choices and to be, understand and relate to my other family members as other human beings, you know, and that they're just experiencing their life and doing the best that they can. So, yeah, I don't know, just in case she hears this. Hi, Mom. <laughs> so anybody else would like to share? How are we on time? 5.16? Okay, so I think we're here till 5.30, right? Okay, so any topic, anything that feels comfortable to you? Of course you can. I welcome you. This is a safe place for everyone. Okay, well, I'll just continue until you get down down. Yeah, we love allies. We can't do this alone. My name is Dennis. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and a trans ally. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hippie relic from the 60s, and I got through that and all my alcoholism and all my drug addiction. Uh, I got sober when, I'm six, when I was 62, and I'm now 66. This whole uh, transgender pride just, like, strikes me so because it was exactly the way gay pride was in the 60s. It was, it was, at that point, gay pride, if you were gay, you could be hospitalized. It was a disease, and it was in the psych, it was in the psych manual. And that freaked me out. When I, when I realized I was gay, I got, I was so messed up, I was so fucked up over it. And I couldn't tell anybody, I couldn't go anywhere. I just like, shut down and I had like one good friend and I was a nerdy bookworm, you know, to get away from it. And eventually, you know, <laughs> it all caught up with me and I, I, I would do like research papers on, you know, 
life of the life of the homosexual, and I'd go to New York City for research, you know, and that kind of thing. And um, it took me a long, long time to accept uh, being a gay male, you know. And I, when I when I was like living in Vermont with a bunch of other people and all that stuff. You know, I, I had sex with men and with women, and you know, that's the way I thought it was going to be. But then, you know, I realized that that wasn't really me, that I only wanted to have men. So the transition to that was really intense. And to find men that were honest and didn't have hidden motives was very intense, you know. And I, and I slept around with everybody and anybody, you know. I was a big old slut and, you know, I hung out, with the, uh, the worse the better, you know. The bus stops, the men's rooms, all the porno theaters, all that stuff. And I would go with anybody. And when I think back, like now, I put my life in danger over and over and over again, you know. and. Um, the, the, the lack of self-worth and the, in, the misery of not being able to speak your truth, it was intense. It was, it was horrifying. And I would take jobs that were, that were really weren't jobs I wanted, just jobs to, to be in a job, you know? So I, I did everything from dishwashing and all kinds of stuff, banks. I worked in a bank for a while. I was a big hairdresser for a while. Surprise, surprise. And then, you know, after, after that, I, I retreated back home into my alcoholism. And I came out of that in the late 80s. And I was just so strung out on drugs, you know. But I wouldn't really give up what I call drugs light, you know. That like weed and poppers and stuff that was you know still that was still okay. So that led me back right back to heavy drinking, until uh, when I was 62, I lost my job that I had for 25 years, and that freaked me out. I was like, because I had always worked, you know, I had shitty jobs, but I always worked, and you know, I just couldn't believe that that had happened to me. What had they done to me? I was a victim of these circumstances. And when I finally worked the steps and realized that it was all an inside job, that whatever I had, whatever had happened to me had happened because I created it. And that was like, holy shit, that's true, you know? And um, from then on in, I really understood the need to give to others in the program. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like the kind of person that says, you know, I have, I have 20 pigeons and they're all in the audience. You know, I don't, I don't believe in that BS. But, you know, I like to help people. I have one, one woman I'm helping out right now. And, you know, it, it isn't just in the program. It's just in general. You know, let somebody walk in front of you, hold a door, you know, you know, make polite conversations, say hello. I mean, sometimes it's like nobody makes eye contact at all. And I'm like, you know, I make eye contact with everybody, you know, <laughs> looking under and stuff. And, you know, I just like go ahead and do what I want to do these days. And uh, I'm a lot happier and I feel a lot freer from it. And, you know, everything worked out after losing my job. I retired. And, you know, I've been with the same guy now for 21 years, which is amazing. I mean, that just, that happened. I met, the, I met him at an AA meeting in the late 80s, and we just fell together. And, you know, it's just gotten better and better. And uh, he's been, he had full-blown AIDS when I first met him. <clears throat> and now he's just HIV positive. But he's had it for years and years now. So, you know... The drugs and the disease have really taken their toll. I mean, we're 17 years apart. He's 17 years younger than me. And now we kind of look the same age, which is all right with me. I don't care. You know, but I love him so. And, um, you know, I think trans people and the whole concept of gender identity is just fabulous, just unbelievably true. And, you know, I, I don't want to ever think that 
it's not good. You know, I mean, I, I just like, I get appalled by people, you know, that say things. And, and like, I'm, Michelle's one of my best friends. And we get on the subway and, you know, I'm looking around, you know, going to protect her, looking around, you know, these people giving her the, the furtive fish eye, you know, like, you know, so I'm just like, you know, uh-uh. And I just have to calm myself down. I mean, I, I could create trouble where trouble doesn't have to be created. You know, restraint of tongue and pen. <laughs> so that took me a long time to learn. But um, I'm grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to be sober and drug-free. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How, can I have a time check again? 524? 23? Are we going to go back to 522? 524. Last call for 524. <laughs> yeah. And the time is right. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Are we comfortable to wrapping it up early? Anybody opposed to that? No? Okay. What? I heard you. Okay, so I think I'm going to put this back. If you wouldn't mind, we, I would like to have us all gather up like in a circle and hold hands and we'll go out with the serenity prayer. Things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back, it works.